The live opinions, descriptions, and accounts expressed on the Best of Times Radio Hour are those of the hosts and the guests of this show, and not necessarily those of Town Square Media or this station. Consult with your attorney, accountant, or other professional for final advice in making your decision. The Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity. Helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The best of times. Your host, Gary Coligas. Good morning, Architects listeners. I'm Gary Coligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine for mature adults in Northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning into our show today. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn from a researcher about the latest findings about secret societies, psychological warfare, and the Kennedy assassination. So stay tuned to the show for some very interesting information. It is Saturday, January the 30th, and we are broadcasting our radio show today from the studios of News Radio 710 KLA Town Square Media Station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. Be sure to pick up the February issue of the Best of Times at one of our 522 distribution locations beginning on February 1st. We thank you for the many compliments of our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. Remember to complete our survey. We want your feedback about our magazine and our radio show. Please complete the those surveys by February the 14th. You can go online to thebestoftimesnews.com and click the red top banner to get to uh, complete the survey, or you can mail the survey that appeared in our January issue of The Best of Times. Remember to log on to our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com for listing of announcements made during today's radio show, as well as information about upcoming events, activities, and news that you can use. We'll be right back with more information, but now what from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears, Downing Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show as a very special guest is Chris Melligan, who is a publisher, writer, musician, who we're gonna, who's going to provide us with, with some insights about some very interesting topics regarding secret societies, psychological warfare, and the Kennedy assassination. Thank you, Chris, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. My pleasure. Chris, I've learned a little bit about you, and again, thank you for joining us today from several of my friends in around the Shreveport and Bossier City area of Louisiana who attended uh, two of your conferences that you held in both in Dallas and in New Orleans about the the Kennedy assassination, especially about Oswald. And they were they were like amazed. And I'm sorry I was not unable to attend either of those, but uh, as we talked earlier, you're going to be having some similar and other conferences in the near future. Is that right? Uh, yes, we're going to be doing a uh, second uh, Oswald conference uh, this October. I believe it's the 15th, 16th, 17th. It's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. 
Well, be sure to send me information, and we will post it on our website and give you some publicity. And hope and I hope I will be able to attend as well. So, how did you get involved in all these particular subjects of secret well, societies, um, etc.? You know, the uh, the Kennedy assassination. I was in uh, uh, junior high school. And so, uh, oh, so we're about the same age. It was it was traumatic. And then uh, my father, uh, my father uh, was involved with intelligence. Uh, He got involved as an 18 year old kid um, in the 30s as an exchange student to uh, China. Wow. Then uh, he graduated from college in 39. And he had been scheduled to go to uh, Europe to a school in Switzerland about international relations. Uh, That didn't happen. He ended up going uh, to Washington, D.C., and was soon uh, working in the basement of the Library of Congress underneath Archibald MacLeish, who was uh, a member of the Order of Skull and Bones and in OSS. And my father was in uh, OSS, was actually in an organization before OSS called uh, Coordination, Coordinator of Information. And um, then he was in the, the basement there in, in, in 1943, and he got drafted. And uh, OSS thought that this was a good idea, and they got him so that uh, they arranged so that he got the shortest amount of training, which was a medics training, which was two weeks, and, and got certified, and put him on as a personal and private secretary to a Dr. Hayden in the Philippines, actually they were in Australia then, and um, because OSS wanted to spy on MacArthur and his aide Willoughby. And um, so then the, uh, oh, my, my, uh, Dr. Hayden died. Uh, my dad started taking his place, working a bunch with the guerrillas. Uh, went with the guerrillas into Manila um, and started working with the guerrillas to put up their uh, government and their diplomatic mission. And they put a bunch of the collaborators in jail. Uh, by the time MacArthur finally got to um, Manila, um, he got there, and because my dad got there way before the troops, and they sequestered the puppet government's library, got given a, a legion of merit by the American government, and actually got sued by the Japanese government for doing it. And um, he, uh, uh, when MacArthur got there, he found a bunch of because he'd been raised in the Philippines, and so these collaborators had been uh, some of his childhood friends, and uh, he didn't like that, and so he said, "Get rid of my dad." And they had to get somebody who was uh, both in G2 because they put my dad in military intelligence and he was in military intelligence and OSS at the same time. And there was very few people that were in that position. And so they had to get somebody that was both in OSS and G2 to take his place. And that gentleman was, in the, uh, was Edward Lansdale. Uh, and he ended up later on becoming uh, head of Operation Mongoose. Uh, which was the operation that was using um, mob figures uh, to help kill Castro. And uh, my dad, um, he used to come over to the family house, and then he, uh, because of a meeting that my father had with him, uh, with Lansdale in 1956 in Vietnam, uh, my dad started leaving the agency, 
and was soon completely out of the agency in the late 50s um, and moved the whole family out to the West Coast and then started talking to me in the late 60s. And he, my dad had, start, had been working with psychological warfare in World War II. And in 1969, the day before my uh, 20th birthday, my dad sat me down. He, dad, he told me a couple things or he said that they were out to opiate my whole generation. This was the late 60s. I was growing my hair long and <laughs> so <was I. laughs> smoking some marijuana. Okay. And uh, so uh, my dad had asked me what I thought about the Vietnam War one day, and I had told him, given him a little flip answer, you know, talking <laughs> to your dad as a teenager. I'd been raised on World War Two, and, you know, John Wayne, all my uncles been in World War Two, and my daddy. So I, I just gave him a flip answer. I says, well, you got some rice patties and you got some sack of hand grenades and you go throw the hand grenades and um, win it for the good guys wearing the white hats, you know? And uh, uh, my dad said we had to have a talk. <laughs> wow. And and so uh, the day before my uh, 20th birthday, um, I was, you know, visiting my folks. Uh, we are you know, probably having cake and ice cream and stuff like that. And and my dad said it was time to have that talk. And he, there was a professor from Vanderbilt uh, there visiting my father, and uh, Dr. D.F. Fleming. And uh, my dad and this uh, uh, doctor went into the my this room downstairs. It had been my little brother's room. He'd moved upstairs since then, but uh, went in there and, and sat down and my dad looks at me and he says, the Vietnam War is all about drugs. And so I'm, and he said, then there's these secret societies. And so I'm thinking, okay, dad's talking about the mafia, <laughs> you know, secret society and drugs. The only thing I could think of was mafia. And, and then he says, uh, uh, and communism is all a sham, these same secret societies, are behind it all. It's all a big game. And at that point in time, I think my dad's nuts. <laughs> okay, because uh, I mean, I knew my father had been a central, uh, you know, had worked for the CIA, but it hadn't been because he had told me or we had uh, talked about it at the family table. It had been because I'd had some discussions with my older brother and older sister. And um, so, um, he, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 like I say, I'm thinking my dad's nuts, and and I, I'm thinking, you know, you know, I've, I've been stuffed under desks because the Ruskies were going to bomb us. Right. And same it, it just didn't make any. It didn't make any sense. And so then, you know, I'm thinking my dad's nuts, and then this little light bulb comes on my head, and I say, well, gosh, my dad, um, he's having the uh, the drug talk with me. Uh, you know, because uh, you know, I'm 19, and almost 20, and and um, he hadn't had the other talk with me because I was married and had a had a kid, <laughs> and so um, I'm I'm sitting there and I'm I'm sitting in this chair and I'm straightening up and I'm waiting, you know, for my dad to uh, tell me to stop smoking pot, um, but he doesn't. <laughs> he tells me all about his intelligence career. Wow. And um, then he goes into uh, he starts telling me that they're playing out this loose scenario in Vietnam. 
and and then they start talking about um, uh, psychological warfare and propaganda and and what they call sway pieces, and it soon becomes very apparent that. <sighs> I have no idea of what they're talking about. I'm just, I'm completely lost. It, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Because, uh, you know, I mean, I've been a paper boy for years, and, and uh, my father would get up early to get the newspaper, and he wouldn't tell me, that, well, that was a sway piece. <laughs> he didn't say anything like that. So it just, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me. So I just kind of go on with my life. And... And I'm at that time. I, I'm, I'm going to uh, college, and then I, I'm, I'm starting a record store. I'm putting on uh, rock and roll dances, uh, working with a band, having a lot of fun, you know. Right. And so um, uh, then I'm, I'm reading um, the Girly magazine, okay, uh, Gallery, Penthouse, uh, Playboy, uh, because uh, in the uh, uh, early '70s they had a lot of articles in them about the Kennedy assassination and a new subject which I call uh, which I was looking into which I call CIA drugs and so uh, people in Louisiana I think know a little bit about that <laughs> that's true and so um, I um, uh, I'm reading this uh, article about the Kennedy assassination and um, there's, uh, they're talking about, you know, all the difference, all the mob, uh, the CIA, um, you know, different things. And then there's a little throwaway line, something like, oh, and people talk about the involvement of, of, of secret society. And, and that brought back this whole conversation that I'd had with my dad because I, I really had, you know, Here's my dad. He told me, <laughs> gee whiz. He told and, me some of these things, and I didn't. It didn't grasp me, right? Right. I mean, it's just. I mean, gee. And so uh, that really says, gosh. Now, what did my dad tell me? <laughs> what was all this? You know, and and so I really started to 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 look into it, and I, you know, I asked him a few things, but not really much because I didn't really understand it, and I didn't have, you know, to. To ask questions, you have, you got to understand what you're talking about, right? Right. And so I would, um, I, I told somebody uh, what my dad was uh, talking to me about, and and also some of my research, early research, and, and they looked at me and told me I was a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> and I scratched my head and I says, "Well, what's a conspiracy theorist?" And so I, uh, I I took that on as an intellectual discipline, and um, one of the first things I did was I went around because I'm a voracious reader, and I went around to all the bookstores I could find, and um, you know religious, uh, feminist, whatever, and I, I went into every bookstore I could find and, and said, "Take me to your conspiracy section," and they all had at least one. Definitely, and and so. I started, you know, to read these books, and and after a while, I says, "Well, gosh, you know, I mean, these almost seem like formula books because I could, you know, I could find a book that blames it all on the Jews. I can find a book that blames it all on the Catholics. I can find a book that blames it all on the Mormons. Blames it all on the secular humanists. Blames it all on the Masons. Blames it all on the Illuminati. You know, who who who, who do you want? You know, and and so." Um, 
And the way I do research is, uh, you know, I'll read a book and, and uh, get its bibliography and, and then get those books and get those bibliographies. And so pretty much, you know, soon I was away from reading these conspiracy screeds and into, you know, uh, tomes about banking and, and the drug trade and uh, war and arms trade and, you know, and, and just different things, you know. And... Um, uh, so, uh, I. Uh, so your interest, but your interest still, even at an early age, or let's say in the twenties, was was increasing exponentially as as you, like I, and other individuals throughout the United States and world, became reading more about the Kennedy assassination and the the, the plots and the conspiracy theories, et cetera. Right. 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 And and you know, I mean, and and. If, the more I would look, the more I would, you know, find some, well, gosh, there's, there's something going on here. I, I don't know what it is, you know, but there's something going on, you know. And and because, you know, a lot of times people just, you know, dismiss, like, the books that we publish as, you know, oh, that's just conspiracy theory, and they don't, they, they don't even read it. And so, and I find that if people actually look at it, you know, they find that there's something there there, and, and you know, uh, depending on uh, a person's uh, outlook and, and you know what they've done in life, and and uh, you know when I first started looking at this, I, I found very few people that I could uh, talk to um, with any kind of understandings, and I found that the, the the books that were the hardest to find were were books about the secret societies. Wow! Okay. And finally, I found. Um, um, Anthony Sutton's book, uh, America's Secret Establishment, about uh, introduction to the Order of Skull and Bones, um, in 1988. Uh, it had come out in 86. And um, uh, I says, gosh, this starts to make some sense about what my dad <laughs> was talking about, because the, the whole thing about, uh, you know, communism's all a sham and, and all of this, I mean, I just have a you know hard time wrapping my head all around that, and that these guys are influencing you know uh, Russia, you know all the you know you know and and but when you look at the order of skull and bones and you see Avril Harriman and and all these people and uh, you see oh gosh oh oh I, I see how they're they know, have a lot of prominent members and right right how, how they're doing this okay and so. Um, but by that time, my father uh, had had Parkinson's for many years, and they'd been giving him lots of medication, and he soon passed away from um, uh, pancreatic cancer. Oh. And so I, I didn't really get to, because uh, he passed away early 90. And I, I, learned, I, I came across this book in, in late 1988, and it just, um, you know, so I, I didn't really get to... Talk to him much, and uh, but then uh, after he passed away, um, I got a, I, I started going through his papers, and even though <laughs> uh, two guys showed up on my mom's doorstep a couple days after my daddy died and says, "Hi there, Miss Milligan. We we'd like to go through your husband's papers." Wow! <laughs> she opened the door up and let him in and go through them, you know, and um, but. I found some very interesting things because I was doing a lot of research on, you know, a subject I call CIA drugs. And um, I was very interested in a city called Chiang Mai, Thailand. 
because it's basically a heroin city. All the banks have uh, branches there, and there's like a four-lane highway now to the Golden Triangle. And it's the second largest city in Thailand. And I'd been told that in my lifetime it had been a really small village, and now it's a big city. So I was trying to find out information about this, and I was having trouble, and I'm going through my dad's papers, and this trip that he had taken in 1956, um, He'd been in Chiang Mai. So great, I say, next time I see my mom, I can ask mom, hey, mom, how big was Chiang Mai in 1956, you know? And so I, next time I see my mom, I say, hey, how big was Chiang Mai? And she says, oh, it wasn't very big. The biggest thing in town was the church, and I've got a picture of it. So I'm reaching out to pick up her picture book, because she'd gone with my dad in 56. And because uh, you know we were, he was at this time he he was covert with for the agency. He his last overt job was branch chief head of East Asia, but he'd left that in '51 and and gone overseas. Uh, I went with him as a little kid, and um, uh, so he was mostly doing odd jobs and strange different things. But uh, so she'd been with him in '56, and and she says. I'm reaching the picture book, and, and she says, and that's when I stopped believing everything I read in the newspapers. Whoa. And, and that really, you know, picked up my ears because my mom was a very good CIA wife. I asked her questions, and I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so um, I says, well, Mom, what do you mean? And she says, well, because when we were in, um, we'd been in Vietnam, and then we went to uh, Bangkok and Chiang Mai, and the big story in the Thailand newspapers was about this big battle in Vietnam, right where we'd been. And she says, there was no battle. We were having a picnic. Oh. And so I, you know, I'm I, looking at this picture of this church in Chiang Mai. It's, yes, not a very big village then in 56. And so I'm, I'm turning the pages back, and pretty soon there's my dad talking to Ed Lansdale. And then there's this beautiful picture of my mother. Just, I mean, she's just looking vivacious in it. And I ended up showing this picture to my uh, siblings later on, and it ended up being one of the main pictures of her uh, memorial because she's just beautiful in it. And in that picture, you can see Ed Lansdale sitting down with a plate, and obviously they're having a picnic, and there's other guys walking around in uh, uh, fatigues and berets and stuff and little Aussie-type hats and and. Then there's this um, the uh, caption to the picture, and it and it's in my my mom's handwriting. It says Yodora, is that's her name? It says Yodora out from Saigon with Colonel Lansdale and North Vietnamese military leaders. Hmm. Okay, interesting. So and and you see if you look at the historical record, uh, you find that. Uh, yes, Colonel Lansdale did fake battles in the Philippines. Okay, it's well documented. And then um, uh, Colonel uh, Fletcher Prouty, in his book, talks about uh, Lansdale doing fake battles in Vietnam. Okay, and here's my, my mother giving testimony that there wasn't a battle, they were having a picnic, and I got a picture of them having a picnic. Amazing. Okay, now, wh- why do you do this? Oh. Why, why do you do this? Well, because 
you, you, hire, you harden the sides. You, you get the people in the villages saying, well, who are you for? Okay, and pretty soon you have a shooting war. And then you take American boys and girls and you send them to hell for one year. And those American boys and girls in hell for one year, uh, some of them get addicted to the heroin that's being proffered to them. Mm. And they're there for one year, and then they go back home. Eric, let's hold this subject right here, and we're going to be right back with more information. We'll be right, right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by Abear's Stunning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by Bears, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a special guest, is Chris uh, Melligan, who is a publisher, writer, and musician who is providing us with some insights about some very interesting topics about secret societies, psychological warfare, and the Kennedy assassination. Thank you, Chris, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. My pleasure, sir. My pleasure. So in continuing this, you gained a lot of information from from your father as well as uh, documents and photos of your family members, like like many of the people have. You know, luckily they kept those information and and to share share with us now in the 2016 some very interesting information, right? Right, and and it, it has to go again with you know my father first told me he says the Vietnam War is about drugs, and and then again earlier he told me they're out to opiate your whole uh, generation, and because part of and part and parcel of the psychological warfare that these secret societies have been doing against the United States of America uh, has been some incredulous uh, incredible things, and and here is how the secret societies run the world, okay? It's a leviathan of three levels, and each level has three parts. The top level is mining, metal, and money, okay? They, they own that real tight, and, you know, when I look at the, the members of Skull and Bones, I, I find them to be very heavily involved in, in the mining. And, you know, if, if you control the mining, you have a good chance of controlling the metal, and then you have a good chance of controlling the money that's supposed to be based on that. And then we have a very active level next, where they use the theater of war uh, and uh, things. Uh, we have drugs, guns, and oil. And, you know, Louisiana knows a little bit about oil, too. And, you know, you have to understand that it was a gentleman from Skull and Bones, Dr. Benjamin Silliman, Jr., in 1855, that took petroleum, rock oil, and made gasoline and paraffin for the very first time, okay? He wrote a letter. He said, gee, gentlemen, I think you've made some very valuable products with a very inexpensive process. As soon as he wrote that letter and report, the Pennsylvania Rock Oil Company of New York passed into hands of investors uh, in New Haven, Connecticut, where Skull and Bones is based. And then the Bissells, who had started the Pennsylvania Rock Oil Company, and the Townsends, who had given them financing, soon had their very sons at Yale in the order of Skull and Bones. Okay? Wow. And, um, uh, these are the guys uh, that uh, sent Drake to Pennsylvania. 
Okay. And the only reason we go to the oil store is because these guys own it. There are lots of other ways of doing energy. Okay. And then drugs. Um, the prohibitions have nothing to do with our health, our community, or our children. The prohibitions have to do with keeping in place a black market, which allows these secret societies, forces out of the shadows, to sell plants for generally more than gold. Okay, and some of these plants you can grow a couple times a year. Um, opium has been the largest commodity on the planet uh, since the 1830s. Um, it, it, it creates huge big slush funds that then allows them to buy up all the other industries, okay? And then guns, um, <laughs> we find these guys selling uh, the arms to both sides in the wars uh, and uh, at the uh, peace tables uh, setting them up for uh, the next one. And Chris, um, what do you say also that like the defense contra, the defensive aspects of of guns and and weapons is as equally as big as the the selling and of and the distribution of weapons throughout the world uh yeah arms arms is very huge i mean the the depth of drugs is incredible okay um you have uh, officially they say there's a million to a million two junkies in the united states i think that's a few more okay at a million to a million two that's a ton a day uh, according to official figures, uh, you have uh, Russia, 5% of its population is on daily opiates. Uh, the largest uh, uh, country by percentage is Iran. Iran has 10% of its population. Uh, China, uh, uh, I don't remember what the percentage is, but as far as uh, people, still has the largest uh, number of people in any country that are, uh, uh, you know, have a daily uh, opium uh, intake. So, so uh, what can we do to stop this? Stop this. Uh, what do you feel we should do? Just, just have it legal. See, after the second opium war, it became legal. These guys lost their cash cow, and then you had through Skull and Bones a false flag event of uh, the Maine, uh, the Spanish-American War, and the basic end of the Spanish-American War was opium became legal, uh, illegal again. Okay. Oh, it was legal before the 18th? Yes, it was legal before. It, it, after the, between the Second Opium War um, but in the 1850s to 1898, it was legal. Okay. And then uh, William Howard Taft, who's a member of the uh, son of the founder of Skull and Bones, uh, declared it uh, illegal for the first time in modern Asia. And then he started the Shang, uh, Shanghai and the Hague Conventions, which give us our prohibitions that we have today. Okay. Now, where this Leviathan uh, meets the road, okay, is media, movies slash music, because they've got to control that uh, that culture, because if they don't control it, the people will. <laughs> okay. And then uh, the last thing is quote unquote magic. Okay. The ability to hoodwink us and their preponderance on using mass trauma ritual to scare the heck out of us and put our country into shock, okay, such as the Kennedy assassination, okay? Whoa. These people were very powerful, okay? The, the you know, the, our, our president was killed in broad daylight on bloody Elm Street, okay, uh, right next to where the first Masonic temple was uh, in Dallas, Texas, on a ritual kill site, uh, the, the, the Dealey Plaza makes a trident, okay? It's right near the 33rd degree parallel, okay? It was done on a, a cult significant date called 11-22, 
if you read any books about uh, classical numerology, 11 and 22 are your highest numbers. There's no numbers between them. There's no numbers higher. Uh, and one of their main meanings are mastery and super mastery. So if you kill the president, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a ritual called the killing of the king. You can read about it in a book called The Golden Bough, which was printed in the 30s. You kill the king, you take his power. And if you do it on a, on a day that, that you know, you're flashing to the people that you're the master, well, if they're the masters, then I guess, you know, we're the slaves, right? And this is part and parcel of the psychological warfare. Because um, you were you were alive when Kennedy died. Yeah, I was 13 years old, just like you in junior in junior high school. Mm-hmm. I remember the date and time. Mm-hmm. But it was but it was so awestruck. I mean, there again, we're we're talking all these individuals throughout the world, all these conspiracy theories, and and I even I remember it even then. I just couldn't fathom that one person could do that. And mm-hmm. and, and Lee Harvey Oswald. I mean, how could he? I mean, and that many shots and that accuracy, I mean... He, he couldn't. He couldn't. And, that, and that's part of the psychological warfare that they, you know, I mean, part of the whole op is that, you know, they're in control, okay? And, and you know, your vote doesn't count. You know, we killed the president in broad daylight, okay? And everybody knows that we got away with it. And we're clicking because, I mean, we're telling you a story that's completely improbable, okay? But we have the power to put it through. Okay, it 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 it, 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 it it's psychological warfare. Yeah, you know, it it, it, <laughs> it, it it's. Uh, and what what are your feelings of the Warren Commission that was formed afterward? Oh, well, the Warren you have a, a coup d'état, okay, uh, and then you have a junta which which blesses the coup d'état, and the Warren Commission was basically the junta, okay, where they got the the uh, you know. Um, the elders together and says, okay, well, here's what happened, you know, and it's completely a farce. We did a book, I mean, I'm a, I'm a little teeny publisher out in Oregon, okay? Now, I published a book by James Tagg. It just amazed me. I mean, James Tagg, uh, James Tagg was salt of the earth, just a, he was a car salesman, and he um, was in Dallas, and he drove as far as he could that uh, November day and parked his car because everybody had stopped driving. He was on the freeway, <laughs> and, you know, coming into Dallas there on, uh, on Dealey Plaza, coming off the freeway there. And everybody had stopped, so he got out of his car, stood up, looked, would see what's happening. Pretty soon he sees the, the motorcade coming, and uh, the shots come out, and one of the shots hits the curb, and the curb hits him in the, in the cheek. You know, so he he's wounded, and he tells the FBI people and the sheriff and and everything. Well, the Warren Commission, you know, was going together and and they put up a trial balloon and in the paper and says, well, the Warren Commission about to come to the, and they've got, uh, well, there was uh, you know two shots hit uh, Kennedy and one shot hit hit uh, Connolly. Well, James says, well, he stood up and says, what about me? And because he stood up, I mean, he could have just sat down and been scared, but he stood up, and um, they had to come up with the quote-unquote magic bullet, okay? <laughs> Which, you know, is crazy and nuts. But see, if, if, you can get, if you can get people to think that something that crazy happened really happened, <laughs> then you got them. 
Okay, and 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 it's part and parcel of of the destruction of our of our country and the, and the, the destruction of America. Their, their end game. Okay, the end game of these secret societies because they don't give a hoot about the United States. Okay, we're we're just a cat's paw to them. They're just using our blood and wallet to get the world into shape, and then their their end game for a long time has been, okay, they're going to rule the world through China, okay, and um, uh, it's <laughs> look what they just did. They just took took China's uh, uh, global, you know. And, and it just affected us here. I mean, <laughs> it's just amazing. And, and they started building, you know, China basically stands up and says, you know, um, we're China. 5,000 years of civilization, Confucius, peace, peace. Cur American war dog. Oh, and by the way, send all the remittances to us because we have all the factories. They okay. do. They do. And, Aaron, and who was the first uh, liaison after Nixon uh, did the thing with China? Oh, it was George H.W. Bush from the Order of Skull and Bones. Okay, and the first ambassadors were from the Order of Skull and Bones. And and who who moved into Shanghai right away? Well, Prescott Bush, a member of the Order of Skull and Bones. And what did he do? He started sending setting up all the factories. You know, and and uh, that's the name of the game because uh, you know uh, these people, uh, the Kennedy assassination. Um, there's a, uh... Let's hold that thought right now, Aaron. We're going to be right back with more information. But now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by Aber, Standing Country of Report, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Kaligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, probably presented by A-Bears, Sunday Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is, is Chris Milligan, who is a publisher, writer, and musician who provides us with some of his insights on interesting topics of secret societies, psychological warfare, and the Kennedy assassination. Thank you, Chris, for joining us today here on the best of times. Radio Hour. Uh, my pleasure, my pleasure. And Chris, you have some very interesting revelations. Uh, and I want, before we, we only have a few minutes left in this show, but I want to make sure our listeners get an opportunity to view some of your your books. You call them suppressed books and other information on your website. His website is www.treenday that's T-R-I-N-E-D-A-Y dot com. Again, that's treenday.com. Any other point about your your website or your um, your books? Well, we pronounce it Trine Day, but no, no Day. big deal. Okay. And uh, yes, uh, I, I strongly recommend you know people going there. We have uh, about a hundred books out. Uh, I'm sure there's something there that uh, will, will pique your interest. Uh, we have a very good book about Rose Jeremy, uh, who was uh, a Louisiana girl that uh, um, talked about the Kennedy assassination uh, before it happened. Uh, we have a Me and Lee um, by Judith Mary Baker, who was a girlfriend of Lee Oswald. Uh, we have Dr. Mary's Monkey uh, that goes heavily into New Orleans. Um, and uh, 
the Kennedy assassination. Um, and you know, if, if mention that a little bit, I think a lot of people are not aware of the Ostner family and and uh, the Ostner found the Ostner Hospital involved in and and that Oswell actually worked in right in in those facilities down there. Yes, yes, yes. The uh, uh, if you haven't had it, Mr. Ed Haslam. Uh, on your radio show, I strongly recommend it. He was uh, born in New Orleans. His uh, father worked there at Tulane. Uh, and this story um, bumped up uh, against him uh, many times, the story of Dr. Mary Sherman, who was uh, uh, brutally murdered uh, in New Orleans uh, the day that the Warren Commission uh, you know, was announced, the day the Warren Commission came to New Orleans to talk to people. And that's one reason why people didn't talk. But we find, you know, uh, we've been coming to uh, New Orleans uh, with uh, Ed Haslam and his Dr. Mary's Monkey for about seven years. And we tr- we've been trying to come uh, once a year, and these have uh, involved into the Oswald conferences. And one thing that we find is that uh, as the people in New Orleans tell us themselves, is uh, New Orleans is the largest small city in the, in the, in the country, <laughs> and, and, and everybody knows everybody, and, and something about somebody else's business it seems. And um, and every time we, we we get out there, we get people that that come out and and and, and tell us things and and are, are witnesses, and uh, it's just amazing. And at the uh, conference last year, we had a, a local panel with some. Uh, uh, amazing uh, uh, stories about, like, well, Dr. Mary Sherman, uh, the apartment where she lived. Uh, one of the ladies who lived there had gone to school with Lee Oswald, and, and one day Lee Oswald knocked on her door and asked, uh, you know, uh, uh, for a different person's apartment there, but also she saw him uh, visiting Dr. Mary Sherman there. And... Um, uh, this is a heavily involved story uh, having to do with... Um, uh, creating uh, weaponizing cancer uh, to be used to uh, uh, kill Castro and uh, uh, and probably others, not just Castro. I'm uh, sure. Right, right, other. right. Ruby, Ruby, Ruby talked about it, and Ruby wasn't uh, aware of this project. And you know, Lee Oswald uh, was a very interesting person. And, and about the Kennedy assassination, you know, there's. It's a wilderness of mirrors and, and designed that way. Uh, there's just lots of mud there. So there's not a lot of things that everybody's going to agree on. But uh, one, of, two of the two things that have pretty much risen to the top that we can, you know, people that have looked at it can really agree on is that Lee Oswald was involved with the intelligence uh, community of the United States and was a patsy, just like he said, and that... It was a coup d'etat. And these folks, you know, took our country away and have continued and, 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 and have taken us to continual war. And uh, it needs to stop. And we need our country back. And, and what I, you know, um, we were at in, in Dallas here at the uh, last uh, um, commemoration there at Dealey Plaza. And I spoke, and, and one thing I talked about to people was a lot of these operations, these cycle op, uh, warfare operations, one of their main uh, impetuses is to stop us from voting. They don't want, they want to, they just want to tell you your vote doesn't count. Just, just stop voting, guys. Just stop voting. But I, I, you know, do vote. Our vote does count. 
We don't need, um, you know, a revolution to get a, a new form of government. We just need a, a quote unquote revolution to get our country back, to get our to get our government back, and and to get it working for us and, and for our children, and for their children and their children and their children and their children and their children. So. I, uh, well, in your opinion, do you think, I know that a lot of the documents have been released after 50 years and supposedly more will be released in 75 years from now? That would might... 2017, uh, there's supposed to be uh, uh, out uh, 2017. And more uh, more of the information will... All, all of the documents. Wow. All of the documents are supposed to be released in 2017. That can be found, I'm sure, right? <laughs> There's going to be a caveat there, right? Uh, well, you know, I, I'm a very hopeful person. Uh, because I was dealing with suppressed information way before the Internet, and, and I really think we have a, a very good dynamic going on for the people. And I think that uh, take back our country from the establishment, from these people that have been playing these silly games with us, that control the media, that just lie to us all the time. Because there is a, you know, the personal computer allows me to be a publisher to make books. It allows other people to do a lot of other radio, a lot of new media uh, and, and things. And, and we can, you know, we can know things that we weren't supposed to know. And we can, uh, that the secret societies didn't want us to know, but we can, we can take back our country. And, and part of it has to do with, you know, learning, you know, what has happened, where, where, we, where we are at. And well, well, Eric, that's let me, why I publish books, because there's a reason they burn books, and there's a reason why I publish them. Well, Eric, some individuals, individuals say, why should we care about the Kennedy assassination and who, what, where, and why? It happened so many years ago, and we should just move on. Well, you know, if it was a coup d'etat, if it was a conspiracy, uh, how are we going to correct it, you know, 55, 65 years and, and since that time? Uh, it's amazing what the people can do. I mean, look what our founding fathers did. Um, you know, they completely broke away from a, a king subjects and uh, created a republic with with democratic institutions. And uh, we can we can do that. We can we can. I don't know. I, I personally personally I, I like Mr. Saunders. I think uh, he would get in there, Sandy, he would get in there and throw a monkey wrench into the establishment. And that's what we need. Because, uh, you know, like I talked about earlier, there was, um, uh, oh, you know, the, the secret societies did a false flag event of the, uh, uh, of, of the Maine and, and, and brought us the Spanish-American War. Well, right after that, you know, they, they brought us uh, fake money uh, in 1913 and in, in the uh, uh, income tax, which isn't on income, isn't on your wages, on your jobs. Uh, and then uh, what they have to do, then they got to get you in debt. So then we go to World War One. Then they go to World War Two. In World War Two, what they do, they says, oh, well, gosh, we're going to have a victory tax. Now, it's not going to last forever. And you know what? Um, we're going to do something nice for you. You aren't going to have to put a stamp on the envelope and, and, and send it to us. We're going to take it directly from your employer. Okay? So that's where they started withholding. Okay? And all of a sudden, the people you know, paying the taxes went from 20% of the population to 60% of the population. That's right. Okay? And, and it's, all a, it's all a scam. And, and you know, we need to stand up and, and, and get rid of this silly game. And, and take back our country, and we can do it. We have the tools. 
we we have the tools and so well i do appreciate your insights and your thoughts you have some very good ideas and i'm sure that uh that many of people are being following you and let us know again about your upcoming uh seminars and books and i will again his website is www trineday.com Again, thank you, Eric, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. It was quite enlightening and uh, quite educational on my part and I'm sure my radio listeners' part. Well, um, it, it, it's my pleasure and, and like I say, all, all we need to do is stand up and, and, and act like human beings and then we can live like human beings and so can our children. A great, a, a, a great suggestion and a great ending. Thank you again for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Okay. Take care. Thanks. Bye. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears, Tenant Country F Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Kiel. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Kaligas, wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. You've been listening to the best of times.